Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Poznanski and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. By the way, this is already the second time we've we've started the podcast today. Yeah, here's a here's a brief. Here's a, this <laughs> a, is brief what you call a, a behind the scenes look. Here's a, here's a little behind the scenes look at what happened just now. Yeah. So you said you did your intro. You right. threw it to me. I hesitated. You had there was a hesitation. There's a hesitation before I said thank you for having me. Then you said, Why did you hesitate? Essentially. And I was beginning to explain that those of you who have listened to this podcast for the last 31 years that we've been doing it know that for a long time we were we didn't have any microphones, we didn't have any any uh, uh, audio acumen at all. We That's were right. just two dorks shouting at our computers <laughs> and the audio was usually unlistenable and also uh, was frequently not even recorded. And That's right. We would, sometimes we would have guests on and we would then have to. You once had to tell Bob Costas. I'm really sorry. I didn't record any of that two hour interview we did. I literally <laughs> once had to do an entire podcast all over again with Jim Nance. Like, Jim Nance I, lived, I, was, I thought it was Bob Costas. No, Costas I didn't record Costas, but I never re-recorded that one. <laughs> but Jim Nance, I literally had to call him and say, Jim, Man, I'm so, sorry. I really, I'm so sorry. Will you do this all over again? Right. So what I was about to explain when you asked me why there was a hesitation was that there, we have this history of incompetence and that I had failed to start my audio recording of for my QuickTime audio that I have to that we each do on our on our, on our side of the uh, thing. And before I could explain that, you realized that you had not yet actually started recording the Zoom audio. That's right. And then we just stopped and started over. That's a little behind the scenes look on Monday, November 22nd, 31 years into the podcast. Yeah, we still have we still do not know how to record the audio. (laughs) That's and by the way, I mean, the goons, the goons over at Metal Arc, they're not going to be happy. Let me tell you something. We did not know what we were signing up for frankly like we like dan labatard has become a friend of mine i wrote a piece on him for slate a couple years ago we become friends i become friends with a lot of the guys who work on his show they outwardly i would say they appear to be fun loving that's right happy guys who are just like you know what we're gonna leave espn we're gonna start our own thing because we're betting on ourselves and it's very noble endeavor and obviously i wish them all the luck in the world then they said to us hey why don't you guys bring your dumb thing over here and make it part of our thing and we were like very flattered i would say we were flattered. like oh, this is so nice flattered yeah yeah and so we go over there and just from the moment we've gotten here it's just open threats <laughs> i would say like actual threats like physical threats of physical violence physical and, threats and and i think worse like just cracking the whip on us just like 
just like get yourselves together. Get like you're embarrassing us. This is not what we signed up for. You're going to ruin our reputation. All this like just verbal abuse coming from them about like how unprofessional we are and how we have to like keep everything in line. So we're doing two podcasts today right. we're, we're and we're and we have to keep them to a strict what is it like sort of 50 minutes max. yeah so sub hour for sure i mean they wanted yeah. it 45 they were super lenient with us in their words we was they were super lenient with us that's right because we were like at 52 minutes i think on one of them or something like that they said for we're, us, we're they didn't realize what that means for us yeah they said the words they used were we're coddling you it was like <laughs> it was like um it's basically like uh, the great Santini. They're bouncing yeah. a basketball yeah. off our head and and asking us if we're crying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I truly believe that this is your next Grisham thriller. I mean, this is the firm. Basically, we we yeah. came in oh, big promises, big ideas, you know, just, hey, you guys are going to be a part of our super fun and relaxed organization. And then yep. you know, once they get you in, you don't even want to know. People and, don't even want to know. Side note, the best part of the firm is, do you remember who the heavy is? Who like is the threatening guy? Oh, yeah, it's, gonna, it's, uh, it's the it's oatmeal Wil- guy. It's Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley. Like, <laughs> the, guy, the guy that Tom Cruise is the most scared of in the firm is Wilford Brimley. Yeah, that's what, yeah, an, what an amazing casting choice that is. Well, and it worked. That First of all, when is Wilford Brimley not great? He plays... The unbelievably incompetent manager in the natural to mm-hmm. to a T to Plays a T pop in the manager. Yeah. yeah pop yeah. pop who you and I have fully discussed is horrible at his job. And Just the wor- one of the worst managers in the history of sports <laughs> managing deserve to be fired. Frankly, I'm on the side of the judge in, in that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a great law scene that you should do in the natural where the judge takes Roy Hobbs aside and he's like, look, I get it. I'm an evil guy. And, uh, you know, I, I'm shady and I bet on the games and everything else. But you got to admit, Pop's got to go. <laughs> Come on. Like, even if this works out, even if you hit a home run, even if you win the pennant, like he can't keep managing the team. The guy has no idea what he's doing. And then Roy Hobbs is like, listen, you're right. You're not. I, I hear you. Let's just get through this. On the other side of it, maybe we'll talk about, you know, making a managerial change. Making a managerial change, you know, make, moving him up to the front office. Everybody loves Pop. Move him up to the front office. Yeah, we'll make a statement about how, you know, thank his, his 35 years of service <laughs> and the, it, you know, what a great uh, inspirational guy he is. But like then we're going to get like a 42-year-old guy who understands yeah, analytics. Who understands analytics, and, exactly. <laughs> and the great news for Pop is that years from now, the White Sox will hire him. I mean, like, that's the great oh, thing. Yeah. It's like, yes, like there, there'll always be an opportunity for him with the White Sox. Jerry Reinsdorf will <laughs> hire a 94 year old pop to manage the White Sox. Uh, and he'll be in charge of filling out a lineup with Aloy Jimenez and <laughs> Tim Anderson. <laughs> and Pop will be in that first press conference talking about, you know, the time he discovered Roy Hobbs. And the only person old enough to remember what really happened will be like, you know, write some <laughs> ripping column of him. I, I really think. And then all the all the White Sox players will say in interviews will be like, listen, you know, pop pop is great. We we have no problem with pop. It's it's about it's not it's not it's not up to him. It's up to us to do what we need to do on the field. Like and then behind the scenes, they'll be like, Jesus, this guy, (laughs) this guy has no idea what he's doing. He falls asleep in the middle of the game. I mean, he has no earthly clue what's happening. So uh, but yes, but Wilford Brimley, brilliant. They're brilliant 
in uh in the firm as the heavy. He, he mm-hmm. really is kind of scary. Which he is, is weirdly scary weirdly for a man scary. who looks like a kindly walrus and fantastic in a really, really bad movie um, that I'm actually will bring up because I, I did not even fully appreciate how bad it is. And that is um, Cocoon. No, he's wonderful in Cocoon. Cocoon is yeah, great. No, that's no, what no. I was gonna say. I like. Cocoon. No, the Paul Newman, uh, Sally Field one, the one where where she's a reporter. Uh, hold on, let me look it up here on my. This is good. This is very makes this for is good, good content Absin- right here. Absence, absence of, of malice. Absence of malice. Looking. Yeah, you've seen yeah. absence. I've never seen it. Oh, you should see it. It's it's like one of those movies that I thought was really good. It's a newspaper movie and all that. Then you watch it again and you're like, it's really kind of terrible. But Wilford Brimley brilliant in it because he's, right. he's just great in everything he's he's so good all right you know what let's uh, oh man uh, this oh, has man. been obviously wilford brimley talk a new segment that we, <laughs> <laughs> we're introducing how how mad are those people at uh at, at, uh, at metal arc i mean they're gonna be like really 10 minutes on wilford brimley are you are you serious well, technically, it's only eight and a half minutes and most of that was wilford brimley but i think we should i think we should just say there's a new segment. We love segments here. That's right. This is a new segment. It's called Wilford Brimley Update. <laughs> and we just go <laughs> we just go through whatever news or thoughts we have about Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah. But, you know, we, we, we added you added a new segment last week, uh, last podcast that, that we will be bringing back later today, which is official positions, which is, I think, the most exciting new segment we've added in quite some. I'm probably very excited since, about official positions. Time. Probably yeah, that I, I feel like official positions is is a great segment only because it kind of gives a name to something we were already doing, <laughs> right. which is just saying what our official positions are on things. But now it has a, we, have a, we have an actual segment for it and we're going to debut some new music. We have new music for official positions. David Von Campen, uh, who, by the way, right now is working super hard on the Wilford Brimley music. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. <laughs> but we, we love David von Campen. He sent in some new music for official positions. We'll bring it up a little later on. We don't. I don't know if we need official music for our for our uh, topic of day. Uh, but our topic of day, which I think was a little bit our topic last time, but I think it's only become more so, is the nobody is good in the NFL. I think that's yes. our. I think that's our topic of day. I don't know if we need music for it yet. Uh, maybe no. It's more of just a truism. It's not like a thing that we necessarily true, it, need to like revisit every, every week, week or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and also it might not be true at some point. Like, <laughs> at some point, the one team will actually. It won't be this year, but at no. some point, one team might actually end up being good. Yeah. So, so yesterday we we were recording this on Monday. Uh, yesterday the the NFL was typically ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Typically. Tennessee, by the way, the Tennessee is a great example of what I believe you, you need to give a name to this, to this idea that you came up with, which is you don't want anybody to think you're good because that's when you become bad. Like that's like, that was the kind. So you even said last week, like, watch out, Tennessee. Now suddenly people are going to look at you and go, Hey, they're eight and two. They're 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 easily winning, leading the AFC. They're blowing people out. Derrick Henry is a beast. All of these things, people are going to think they're good. As soon as that happens, wah, 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 just absolutely destroyed. Destroyed. Now, this goes for basic. Here, here's my theory on this. Okay? okay, if you follow analytics at all in sports, you're you're familiar with the concept of regression to the mean, right? Like 
basically, if you if you're flipping a coin and you flip a coin uh, uh, 10 times and the, and seven in a row are heads, the chances are that more tails will come up eventually pretty soon than heads because the mean is 50 50. And if you have the crazy run, if you have 11 or 12 heads in a row, chances are that you're going to get some more tails pretty soon. Right. And, because and, that's just the deal. And it won't be like, oh, the chances of the next one being a tails is any higher. But no. over the next 50, you're you're likely to get you're uh, likely tails. to get six or seven more tails than heads because you're aim- you, eventually if you do it enough times, you're going to get to 50 50. Right. So I think that all of the NFL in terms of team play and individual play is essentially regression to the mean with very, very few exceptions. And so what I mean by that is what happens every week is someone goes, hey, check out this team. They're really hot. They've won six in a row. As soon as as soon as someone notices that fact, that team is doomed. And the same goes for individuals. As soon as someone says, hey, Russell Wilson hasn't thrown an interception in 194 straight passes or something he's going to throw an interception in the next game it it's like it's basically it's it's a combination of uh, of like the uncertainty principle yeah. wherein by observing the uh, a an experiment you change the results of the experiment and regression to the mean so basically in the NFL the second that something is notable in any way you are base and you note it, you are dooming it to change. So yes. the Titans had won whatever it was, six in a row. Six and in that, in that, in that six in a row and like eight out of nine. And they yeah. had beaten really good teams. They'd beaten the Colts twice. They had beaten the Bills. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Rams. And they yeah. had beaten the Saints, a tough Saints team. And people were like, wow, Tennessee, eight and two. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is the team that's going to come out of the AFC. And and also this week they play the Texans. That's a gimme heading yes. into their big game against the Patriots right after Thanksgiving. The second that those words were spoken out loud, <laughs> Werner Heisenberg kicked in, and the uh, and the and the Titans were absolutely doomed to lose. Yes, and that so there's a there's a a place you want to be in the NFL, and ironically, it's basically right where the Patriots are right now. Yeah, where they're playing really well but they're still a little bit under the radar because people are still in the AFC East focused on the bills and their struggles. And they're still kind of focused on, okay, with the, the Titans had like a momentary lapse and look, here come the chiefs. You always want the world of football analysis focused on other teams. You do not want them focused on you. The second they are focused on you, you are doomed. You will, (laughs) it doesn't matter who you play. You are absolutely doomed to lose your next game. So the the next week, the Titans play the Patriots in New England. If New England wins that game and they go to whatever it will be, eight and four, eight and the four. Titans are eight and four, and the Patriots, I believe, will be in the number one. I we get the buy, this the only buy in the in the conference slot because they'll have the same record as the Titans, but we'll have the tiebreaker. Yes. The second that happens, the Patriots will lose two out of the next three. It is That's a right. lock. It is an absolute guarantee. <clears throat> Yeah, no, that's right. They they are lucky, the Patriots are, in that they have played probably better the last three weeks, four weeks than anybody in football. I mean, they destroyed the Browns and then just, you know, just pitched a shutout this week. 
Um, they're lucky that the Chiefs are sort of gotten hot at the same time. Yeah, because I think everybody's been watching that Chiefs team saying, oh, OK, I guess they're the, the best again. And the Chiefs have not been playing that great. I mean, they didn't really play well at all. I didn't think against the Cowboys on side. I mean, they won. Their defense played well. Their defense played well. Their defense and played against well. against what had been, again, proving my theory, the best offense in right. football. And everyone right. was like, oh, look at this offense. It's the best <laughs> offense in football. And then they score seven points or eight So basically what you're saying is during that game, right at the beginning, they were like, uh, Cowboys leading the NFL in scoring. Haven't done that since 1980. Instant they did that. It's like You're over. Doomed. It was, You're it going was... to score nine points and lose. Uh, yeah. And right now, the Patriots have this, scored the second most points in the entire, a third most points in the entire NFL. This is crazy. Arizona has 310. Uh, the Colts have 309. And the Patriots have 300. The Patriots have also given up the second fewest points yeah. in the AFC. One point more than the vaunted Buffalo Bills. The Patriots have the best point differential in the league, a hundred plus 123. Yeah. That's better than the Cardinals. It's better than the bills. It's better than the Cowboys. That's it's really come in the last two weeks. Right. I mean, that's, you it's know, it's like the last four weeks really, yeah. because they they've been on a run. Now they beat the Falcons 25, nothing. They beat the Browns 45 to seven. They beat the Panthers the week before 24, six, and then two, two weeks before that they beat the jets 54 to 13. <laughs> so, so yeah, they, they've been on a run. They've won five in a row. Yeah. yeah, and and what's wild about the Patriots this year is two of the and this by the way this is always true this isn't really this is just the NFL so they have four losses they lost to the Cowboys in overtime right they lost to the to Tom Brady and the vaunted Buccaneers by two yeah and they lost Week One with a rookie quarterback to the Dolphins a terrible team by yeah. one point like they're they're very close to being, to being like yeah. a, to having a runaway record at this point. Now again, you, that's not that doesn't really say anything because every team in the NFL is very close to being nine and one. Even the Jets, the, the Jets are, the the Jets are yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what you don't want if you're the Patriots is to beat the Titans next week and then beat the Bills in Buffalo the week after. Is if that happens, they're not even going to make the playoffs somehow. They'll, be, <laughs> they'll go, they'll lose their next four, including at in Miami in the last week of the season where they always get killed. And they will somehow either miss the playoffs or win a wild card and then wash out of the playoffs in the first round. You need you need to lose every third week in order to just survive in the survive league. in the NFL. The weirdest, weirdest thing about the NFL. Have you gotten your mind and an, an arms around a 17 game schedule? No, I, I like I like that concept. I don't know what difference it'll make, but the concept that like a team is eight and three and they still could end up going 14 and three like that. Like I'm completely or eight and nine. That's eight the and crazy nine. thing. Yeah, you yeah. get to that. You get to that eighth win and you're like, all right, this is the worst that can happen is that you, you like were a 500 team. And it's no. like, nope, nope, <laughs> no, no, it's, it doesn't make any sense at all to me. It's, it's so funny. Uh, we've said this before on this podcast, the NFL had it exactly right. It had, it right. It had eight, divisions four yep. teams per division it had six playoff teams per conference yep. and the great thing about six playoff teams per conference is that every single one of those six playoff spots had a reason that it was better than the next one yeah so the top team got home field advantage through the playoffs and a bye the second team didn't get home field through the playoffs but got but a bye a bye yep the top seed played the worst playoff team right the fourth seed, the division winner, 
even if they were seven and nine, like the Rams that one year or eight and eight or whatever, you still got to play at home. Right. The fifth seed got to play that sometimes kind of crummy four seed. Yep. So every team had some had a reason. It was a perfectly symmetrical, balanced yes. system. It was absolutely perfect. And then they added an irregular, awful 17th game, which is the idea of playing an odd number of games is so offensive to me. It's It's so so awful and so so bad. And now there's only one buy. So the team, yes, you're still the highest seed of the teams that don't get a buy. It's not the same thing. That buy means so much. Oh, yeah. And so the the difference between the two seed and the three seed, it's like it's so much different. It's nothing in a way where it used to be a really, really big deal, whether you were the two or the three. Yeah. You used to have to play to be the two. I mean, you right. would you would play your starters in the week in the final week to get that buy. I mean, that 100%. was hundred percent. That buy was huge. Now, but I don't know that I play my starters to be, if it's a difference between two and three now. I mean, you you get a home game either way. I mean, it's it's you're you're playing and the difference between the six the seed and the seven seed yeah. is probably not that big a deal. I don't look, I don't want to cast aspersions, but it's almost like all the NFL cares about is more is making more money. Now, no. I, I, look, I know that's no. a that's a wild accusation. No, you shouldn't say that kind of thing. I apologize like, yeah, to Roger Goodell and the rest of the league owners. Uh, that's unfair. I, mean, I shouldn't unfair. say that. I shouldn't no, say that. No, no. Clearly what they're about is competition mm-hmm. and and the fans. I mean, that's really that's what right. it's, it's about. really all about. The, it's about the fans and it's about the military. That's what we know. <laughs> it's about celebrating our troops. Our boys in our boys in blue, yeah, and uh, and and fairness and okay. and and the players. It's really concern for the players. They they know how much the players love playing, and they just want right. to give them the opportunity to play more. Well, and, they, and their safety. I mean, clearly, it's about yes. the look. Player it, safety. If you good only point. Only play sixteen games. What do you really like? Seventeen is really the safety zone. You're safer. You're you're safer by playing seventeen games. That's than right. By playing sixteen games. <laughs> That's obvious. All right. So I, you know, not to wade into even further into this uh, into this morass that is going to get us uh, in big trouble. Um, so three weeks ago or four weeks ago, it was uh, celebrate the troops week for the for the NFL. Right. It was mm-hmm. some I don't remember specifically what they called that week, but uh, the coaches were in camo and and it was it was all about the, the military. OK, right, and, right. And we know the NFL loves to, to celebrate the military as they should. It's fine. It's great. Great. Then the next week. The coaches again were wearing the 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 military garb, Correct. and it was like, oh, because it's Veterans Day. It's like, all right, well, wait a minute. So, you or, you know what? It just seemed like, hey, poor planning. You know what? It's like some people have their birthday right at Christmas, and it's like, oh, you know what? It's like I get too much. <laughs> so it's like, oh, we we planned it and we forgot that it was also going to be Veterans Day. So okay, great. So then, but then this week they were wearing the camo again. So I don't know what this week was. But the question is, at this point, will the NFL ever have a week where coaches are not wearing camo? Yes, because there will be one week where they pretend to care about women and everybody wears pink <laughs> for breast cancer awareness. Will like, be that's pink it. camo? The- are you sure it will not be pink <laughs> no, camo? No, I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> that could be. That could be. That's a great fusion of the two things that the NFL cares the most about, which is the military and women. Yes. Uh, I. I. 
I've said we we when we went to the Field of Dreams game, we're yes. switching switching sports for a second. Sure. Uh, we went to the Field of Dreams game. We, we should recap this again. Yes. We are in a field in Iowa, in the middle of nowhere in right. Iowa, and it's beautiful and pastoral. And the drive into the stadium, you took a different route than we did and got there much faster. But the yes. drive in, even though we were stuck in traffic, it still had this magical quality yes. about it driving through these cornfields in the middle of nowhere and you walk through uh, the corn you walk onto the onto the field from the movie and there's dads playing catch with their sons and yes. moms playing catch with their daughters and and uh, people are milling around and taking pictures and it's like it's perfectly quiet and it's like the sun is going down and you walk through the corn where the ghosts disappeared in the movie and you come out and they've built this huge beautiful stadium and yes. And then you sit down and then the, the Kevin Costner walks out and it's amazing. And people are like, you get chills, you get goosebumps on your arms. And he gives a speech that is a, a reminiscent of the tone of the movie and the players walk out of the corn and it was so cool and so beautiful. Yes. And then um, just when you thought it couldn't get any more pastoral and kind of magical and romantic, four military jets do a incredibly loud and low flyover right over the stadium <laughs> and absolutely shatter the tone the, the mood into a trillion pieces by having just massive loud weapons of war yeah, uh, yeah. buzz the tower and it was like I, it was such a perfect encapsulation of the way that sports gets everything wrong that the, that the presentation of sports professional sports is just it's just a kitchen sink it's like it, it's like everything that you can think of just this and also this and we need this and do this for these people and that needs to happen and this and it just just more 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 no one is no one was thinking about in that moment what will it feel like to have four enormous weapons of war fly 150 feet high over this beautiful pastoral stadium <laughs> And granted, football is a weekly celebration of the concept of violence. Yes. It's like a, a that's what you're signing up for when you watch football is just like it's it's people getting hurt, violent tackling, hitting bones, crunching injuries, yes. everything else. I get it. Like a, it's it's a different thing than baseball. But how many times do we have to do this? How many times does actual war the brutality of actual war need to be stirred into the pot before people are like, okay, we get it. Yes. We enough, enough, enough. Like I, I just don't understand. I continue to not understand why this is every week and it's at the super bowl and it's at every playoff game. There are just like bomber fighter bombers flying overhead of the stadium. It's horrifying. I, I can't be the only person who is tired of having weapons of war flown over my sports and my uh, entertainment. It's just, it, I, I don't get it. And I, tu I turned on the Sunday night game, Chargers Steelers and Mike Tomlin is in full camo and Patrick Mahomes has a camouflage bandana on under his helmet. Uh, and I just, am like, what, why, why are we doing this? Why yeah. are we doing this every week? I don't get it. Well, there, there, there are a couple of things to say. So the first thing is that the field of dreams game, what I think was so striking about it was I think both of us had the same reaction, which is, oh, my God, baseball's going to get this right. 
You know, yeah. it's like we were there and it was like this. This is a movie, right? There's there was there is no real story of ghosts coming out like there's they're not celebrating other anything other than an invented thing. And yet you went out there and you saw it and it worked like all of it worked no matter yeah. no matter how you felt. You're like, this is really cool. And Kevin Costner goes out there and he's like looking around like he like he was dropped out of the sky and it's and it like worked. It all worked. And then it was like, you know what this needs is just this flyover that literally shook the 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 stand so much we thought they were going to collapse. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. How, how low that flyover was. Okay. So that's one thing. The other thing is I, I, I thought a little bit about this. So I, yesterday I was not, I, I got my booster on Saturday, which was great. Uh, but I, it actually had a little reaction to it, which I have not had before. So I was a little bit under the weather yesterday. And so I'm like, I'm just going to sit at home all day and just watch football. Just going to do that. And I haven't done that in a long time. Just going to sit there beginning of the end to, to the end. So I watched it. I watched the Browns, obviously, and their sort of awful game against the Lions. And then I watched the Chiefs Cowboys. And then I watched a little bit of the Sunday night game. But during the game, both games, I guess. So it would be in seven hours of football. I saw no exaggeration, the Ohio State Michigan commercial 500 times. They, they played it like. <laughs> 500 times and it was and it's and it's it's uh, you know to, to fox's you know credit or or doom whatever you want to say it was completely over the top the way fox is right it's just like this is the only game that matters and 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 nothing has ever mattered more than this and you know blah 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 and they just kept playing it over and over and i'm like honestly like who is unaware that would care that Ohio state is going to play Michigan this week. Like anybody who would care about that is probably aware of it. And, and you're, and not only are they aware of it, they're aware it's a big, it's kind of a big game. Like they're most people, it's not like people like, man, I didn't even know Ohio state played Michigan. Like, uh, like that's a, that's a whole new thing. I had no Wait, idea. There's, they play football in college too. Oh, right. So check that out. That's what strikes me. It's like when you do it, every single week doesn't it like mean nothing like at some point isn't it sort of a disservice to like if you really want to honor the military then honor the military like like one time in the right way rather than like every week because now it just feels like pandering every single week it's a hundred percent pandering and yeah. my my father who is in the navy reserves uh and on active duty many many times over sure. over three or three and a half decades no one is more irritated by it than him. And he can't be the only one no. who has that reaction who's in the military. And when you go to Dodger games, which I do 10 to 20 times a year, yeah, they do a thing in like the third inning where it's like, ladies and gentlemen, it's our military hero of the week. Right. Uh, Corporal John Johnson, uh, blah, 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 blah. And they, they, they announce it. And then everybody stands up and starts applauding. Yeah. And they start applauding while the PA announcer is explaining who this person is and what he or she did in That's service right. of the military, none of which you can hear no. because everybody is standing and applauding. Yeah. So they're running through this person's military service right. record. You know, they're they talking about on this ship and this and that. And then yeah, they yeah, did yeah. two tours of duty here and this yeah. and that. You can't hear any of it because people are Pavlovian style conditioned yes. to rise to their feet and start clapping. And 
it completely and utterly defeats the entire purpose. It's between innings. It's not being televised. So yeah. you, it's not like, oh, if you were watching on TV, you could hear it better. You could hear what they're saying. No one has ever heard the actual military record of the person that we're there to honor because everybody is standing and, and applauding. And then it gets to the end and then people continue to applaud. And then you very often the distance, you can see the person wave to the crowd. It is it has, in my mind, the exact opposite effect that it is intended to have, yeah. because you learn nothing about who the person is, what the person has done, why we're there. It's just this in, it's just this stimulus response, stimulus yeah. response, like person in military gear, stand, clap, cheer, yell, scream. Yay. Thank you. And and then you and you don't know anything about the person. And, and it has this exact effect you're talking about. You do it. They do it every game. Nobody ever learns anything or hears any details about the person. And then you sit down and there's and at the end of it, you feel empty and and the whole thing seems pointless. And well, they, they're so bad. All sports are so bad at this. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I think that's right. And I, I feel like a legitimate, true honoring of of our veterans and of the military is one thing. I do not see how dressing up overweight assistant coaches in camo <laughs> Like it's like it's it, to me it's like if, if in another form that would be insulting. Not and not only would it not be honoring them, it'd be like, oh, you know what? I I didn't serve, but I'm just gonna dress up like I did, even though all I did this week was like, you know, try to come up with like a couple of new running plays for for our team. I mean, it's like it's insulting. It's like yes, we hundred percent. Why don't we when we honor firemen, we don't have people dress up like firemen. Like, I don't understand no, any it is, of it. It is it is essentially a Halloween costume. That's really what it is. <laughs> yes. It's like everyone. Hey, today's Halloween. And for Halloween, we're all going as as army as army uh, soldiers. It, it is. It's absolutely wrong in every respect. And yeah. they'll never stop doing it because they'll be afraid that if they stop doing it now, it will seem like they are reverse yeah. honoring the military. Right. right. So we're just we're stuck with this forever. They're, they're, we're never going back. And it's and it's I find it. I, I were I in the active military, I would find it insulting and yeah. I would be annoyed by it. But whatever. Well, we did that. <laughs> <laughs> what do we call this new segment? Joe and Mike's oh, unpopular, unpopular positions. Yeah, getting getting fired by Metal Arc is that what we call this this section. <laughs> so yeah. Uh look, I beyond all of that, do you think that like are the Patriots good? Like I think are the Chiefs good? At the end of the day, somebody's coming out of the AFC. By right. the way, I don't think the NFC is any better. I mean, Arizona. Is nine and two, so they've got the best record in football. And maybe when Kyler Murray comes back, they're they're really good. I mean, they do seem to have a lot of weapons and good defense and all that. But like, I don't think anybody in the NFL like like there is nobody in the NFL at this point who, when they lose, I'm surprised. No, I I, I don't, and I I'm having a hard time searching my memory banks to find out if I have felt this more acutely in past years or the same amount of acutely in past years. I was convinced in like week seven that the Bills were the best team in the AFC. Yeah. Bills aren't even in first place in their division now. No, um, I was at various times convinced that the Packers were the best team in football. That the uh, that the Chiefs were the best team in football. Yeah. That the Cowboys were the best team in football. I don't think. I, I don't think there is any way to predict right now who who wins any single 
meaningful playoff game. Like I, I, I think that the, like the chargers, Justin Herbert, I don't think you can say that there are teams that are good. I think you can say there are players that are good. I think yeah. Justin Herbert might be the best quarterback who's ever lived. <laughs> I really do. I don't know if, if did you if you watched that game last night, he threw some passes that you just can't you can't believe how how hard he's John Elway yeah. at, in his the prime. Is, like the arm is the absurd. Arm is absurd. The spirals are tight. The placement is perfect. His receivers dropped a couple easy passes. Otherwise, his numbers would have been even better. The, he's in he the guy's 23 or something like yeah. he's so young and you you can say okay that guy is good you yeah. can say kyler murray is good you can right. say joe burrow is good yes you can't say that the teams are good you just can't there's there there's too much variance there's too much um there's just too much regression to the mean all the time and you know the the steelers almost won that game last night a game they had no business winning in part because the Chargers had a punt blocked in, yep. in classic Chargers fashion. They had a they had a punt blocked that led to a two yard touchdown drive, and then they had a ball. Cam Hayward jumped up, and the ball hit him on the helmet. Yeah, popped up in the air forty feet and was picked off, leading to a five yard yeah. Steelers touchdown drive. So the Steelers almost won the game, but they also had two touchdown drives that totaled seven yards. It's so the like Steelers, though, it, that's that's what the Steelers do. It's just they're it is. You're right. Just yeah. Here, uh, so, here's what I know. Here's what here's what here's what I think is important going yeah. into the second half of the season. We cannot allow as a nation, we cannot allow any of the following things to occur. OK, we cannot allow the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. No, that's right. We just cannot allow that. That's no. not allowed. No, and, we, and we, I don't think it will. I don't think they will. I don't know, man. They're like they're they're really good. Their <laughs> offense is really good. Uh, Amari Cooper didn't play this week, and yeah. and uh, and they they like they they're still they're really really good offensively. I no, don't. They're know really any, good. They're yeah. really good. But we can't. We just have to make an agreement. Yes. As Americans, that it's not okay for the Cowboys to win the that's Super correct. Bowl. Okay. We also cannot allow, uh, in my mind at least, we cannot allow the uh, the Steelers to make the playoffs. That's got it. That can't happen. That's we right. Just can't, we just can't happen. Like it, enough already. Enough of you. Enough of Mike Tomlin. Enough of Ben Roethlisberger. Enough. Will we Seth Myers uh, agree with you? No, he will not. <laughs> Seth, <laughs> Seth Myers will not agree with me. Uh, big Steelers fan, but we just it just can't it can't happen. Now I know. Obviously, there's a lot of people out there who are saying these exact things about my favorite team, yes. the New England Patriots, and I get it. And if you want to say that we can't allow the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, that's fine. I'm actually fine with that. Like, okay. I get it. As long as the other things happen. Yeah, as long I, I would trade the Patriots guaranteed not winning the Super Bowl for the Steelers not making the playoffs and the Cowboys not winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm fine if the Cowboys make the playoffs. I'm fine because the Cowboys losing in the playoffs brings Jerry Jones more pain and agony and suffering. And that's, and that's really what I'm after here is like, that's what I want is, yeah. is maximal, uh, like the, the greatest the greatest, like Cowboys related moment was the uh, Tony Rono, Tony Romo botched field goal, because it was like, they were going to win easily. And then they didn't. And, they Jerry, did. Jones, and Jerry Jones was really sad. And I think we can all agree. That's what we want. Yes, that's what we want is a sad Jerry Jones. Well, like Papa John is gone. So there's only so much that we have. And one of those things is bringing Jerry Jones sadness. I I only the only (laughs) thing I would disagree with you on uh, is you were talking about how great uh, Justin Herbert is, which he is. He is great. 
and that you were saying he's the best quarterback ever. I think it's either Justin Herbert or Baker Mayfield. Wouldn't you say? I mean, it would, it would come down to one. <laughs> Let's check in on the Cleveland Browns. How are they doing? So, Baker Mayfield is... Um... You described him in your weekly Browns column this week as the Black Knight from Monty Python, which I think is exactly right. I, that poor guy oh my is God. just being hammered, and he's too, like, a capital T tough to say, I, I can't play this week, and so he's going to keep playing every week, and he's going to play at, like, 55%, and that means the Browns are going to beat the Lions by three every week if they win at all. Uh, but let's just talk briefly before we move on to what I guess will be our final segment for this podcast, which is official positions. Now that yes. we're 40 minutes in and have talked about nothing. Yes. Um, the, so you've written about this a couple times, every time in his career that Nick Chubb has touched a football, oh my gosh. every single time he That's has right. touched a football. That's right. He has gained on average 5.3 yards. That's correct. Now in football, I believe you need 10 yards to make a first down. <laughs> and yet Nick Chubb, what were Nick Chubb's actual stats from the game? I believe he carried 22 times, 22 times for a hundred and 130 yards. Right. Okay. So Which is, by the way, even more than the five that's, yards, that's six yards, that's yeah, six, six yards. yards carry, carry. Right. Correct. And yet at several key moments in which the Browns needed to take some momentum back from the uh, from the vaunted Detroit Lions <laughs> offense. Uh, Baker Mayfield, who has, I think, one tendon left in his That's body. That's still correct. functioning. Correct. In his dropped, right foot. In his right foot. He dropped back three times and threw three incompletions, and then they had to putt. Yeah. Why, I Why? ask you, are the Browns not giving Nick Chubb the ball, say, 28 times per game instead of 22 times per game? It's it's absolutely mind-boggling and drives me insane here's the thing he wasn't even on the field for that drive they right. had nick chubb on the sideline didn't even use him as like a decoy uh if you're going to pass three times how about having nick chubb in the backfield so that people think hey they might give the ball to chubb and 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 maybe that helps i i don't know i i'm of course, this has been the thing that's been driving me crazy for years. Uh, it is it is driving me more crazy now. I I was such a fan of what Kevin Stefanski did as coach last year, and I'm such a non fan of what he's doing this year. I don't I don't know what's changed other than I think last year, like like if you come in and and like it's sort of like I, I always think like these people on those home shows get a lot of credit, like the ones that are like, oh, I'm going to remake your house. They get a lot of credit for just like cleaning up the garbage that you have around your house. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. they're like, oh, they, you know, and they show it in these cameras. Like, ooh, it's like all they did was change like a pillow, right? Like they, or they paint the walls. They just yeah. paint the walls. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, they, they used to be a disgusting shade of like of like light brown right and now they're right. like light blue and it looks a lot better <laughs> it's a lot better and i think that that he he brought in some nice paint and 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 fixed what it was a disaster and you know and it's great but now this year like there are expectations which you know that's as we've discussed that's that's tough um they mayfield is i don't even know what to to say i the guy like you want to admire somebody who is like uh, willing to like 
play through unbelievable pain and unbelievable. And, and I do, I admire him for doing that. But then there's also part of the, it's like, dude, sit down. I mean, like, you know, are you really the best option for this team if you're not healthy? And, and at some point, you know, that's, there's a selfishness that comes with like, okay, I, it doesn't matter. I could be, you know, on one leg with both my arms cut off and I'm still the best option for this team. I mean, he really is the black Knight. So, so that drives me crazy, but then just you, Nick Chubb to me is such a special player. He is Derek Henry and like, he's not, he's not a, he's not a physical, you know, Marvel the way that Derek Henry is, Yeah, but, but the guy is averaging six yards of carry this year. He's averaging for his career. Literally the, the he's the greatest per yard per carry running back in the history of the NFL, in the mm-hmm. absolute history of the NFL. And they do not build the team around him. And it drives me absolutely insane. And, and there was something that Stefanski did after that game that, you know, it was, I, I, at this point, I'm really kind of annoyed by everything that Kevin Stefanski does. It's not his fault. That's my fault. But after the game, so as you mentioned, they don't give uh, Chubb the ball, uh, you know, when, when the game is very much in line, but then at the very end, with two and a half minutes left, they did. They gave him the ball five straight times or whatever. And he picked up the first downs and they won the game. Like he literally won the game. And afterward, uh, Kevin Stefanski said something along the lines of, yeah, you know, Nick is a great player and that was great, but you got to give a lot of credit to the offensive line and the, and the, and the uh, fullback and this. And yeah, okay, you do, but it seems like you never give any credit to Nick Chubb for being like this transcendent player. And I just don't feel like the Browns treat him like he is a transcendent player. And it, it really bothers me. Yeah. They, I mean, he averaged, he averaged just almost exactly six yards a carry and Baker Mayfield averaged 6.1 <laughs> yards per pass attempt. <laughs> yeah. And, and San had a QBR of 8.6. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I don't I don't know what the thinking is. And they, by the way, they only gave Dearness Johnson five carries in the entire game. I That's mean, right. it, if you're if you're the Browns and you're in a slugfest with the 0, 8 and 1 <laughs> Lions and and you're up 13 to 7 in the third. Right. You've got the the two best players on the field when you're on offense are Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson. Yeah. And much like in the NBA where it's like, "Hey, if you're the Lakers, the people shooting the ball should be Anthony Davis and LeBron James. The <laughs> yeah. people touching the ball should be Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson. Like yeah. that is a better bet to win the game. If you lose by running Nick Chubb 28 times and Dearness Johnson 15 times, uh, if you still lose, okay, you yeah. lost. Like, you what lost. are you going to do? Right. Like you, right. you, had, you gave the ball to your two best players and you, and your quarterback who has shown flashes of brilliance in his career and also flashes of, let's call it um, not brilliance, not brilliance. Yeah. Like you, you, you don't um, you're not going to get yelled at if you lose by giving the ball to your two best players. And, and, and also, and I think more importantly, you have a better chance to win. And I, they, they really, they escaped by the skin of their teeth with Baker, uh, a guy brutally injured in like 12 different ways Completing half of his passes, getting picked off twice, getting getting hit 
I, I mean, I guess he was only sacked technically once, but he must have been hit 15 times. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it, stepped on and, and pushed around. And, you know, look, this is to me, I know there are 50 books written about Bill Belichick and why he's been so successful and, and, uh, and you know, all of that. I don't know that it's that complicated. It seems like whatever the team needs to do to win, he has the team do that thing. Right. So, <laughs> right. I mean, so if they, if they have to, if he's like, okay, this team is a terrible pass defense team, he'll throw 75 times in the game. If necessary, he doesn't care if this team can't stop the run, he'll run the ball 50 times in the game, even if their run is not working early and the Browns are not like that. And I, that's what I blame coaches for. I just like play, the game, do not get discouraged because two times you gave the ball to Nick Chubb and he got stopped. I mean, that's that that that's not how you win. In that will happen. That will happen sometimes. Yeah, that's going exactly. to happen. So he will be tackled for a one yard loss one out of every 14 times he right, runs. Right. You don't just give up if that happens. <laughs> don't just stop. Um, but real quick, before we move on to official positions, uh, it's almost Thanksgiving. You know, I, I have a I have a lengthy rant about <laughs> yes. why Thanksgiving is the which is I hope is coming holiday. out soon. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not going to give the rant again. You can you can go back. Just search Ken Tremendous <laughs> Thanksgiving on, on Twitter <laughs> if you want to if you're interested. Um, but one of the things that I talk about in my uh, endless rant uh, is about how yes, there's football. The games always stink. Yes. Right. And this year. And who knows how the games, maybe the games will be exciting, but I just want to quickly run down the three games <laughs> that we have. Let's to hear the schedule. To. What's the schedule this year? Well, at uh, 1230 Eastern, 930 Pacific, we have a great game, Joe. It's uh, Bears-Lions. <laughs> You've got Bears-Lions. So get up early, get ready, Here's get excited for Bears, <laughs> th the three and seven Bears and the 0-9 and one Detroit Lions. Well, here's the thing about Bears-Lions. Okay, yes, admittedly, they're 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 both struggling a bit this year. However, we hardly ever get to see the Bears play the Lions. I mean, there's the there's the unique quality of the fact that it's the a, Bears are like playing a, the it's Lions. It's like a solar eclipse. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, the Bears and the Lions. That's that's uh that doesn't and, happen and, twelve and, times and, a year. No, <laughs> no Okay, okay well, then, but, but that can't be where it ends. Uh, no, don't worry. At four thirty Eastern, one thirty yes. Pacific, we have the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, who I think not just because of their five and five record, but because of the whole just the whole sort of je ne sais quoi of the team <laughs> are the essence of mediocrity. Oh just yeah, the absolutely. Essence. They're in Las Vegas, right down the middle <laughs> in terms of 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 good and bad. Yeah, five and five. So boring, such a boring team. Yes. And they play the Dallas Cowboys okay. uh, in Dallas because Jerry Jones built a giant uh, Roman Coliseum to honor himself <laughs> as an emperor. And he always has to play there on Thanksgiving. So you've yeah. got the, you've got Raiders, Cowboys. You've got who cares against Boo. That's what that is. That's right. Got, who cares against Boo in in basically Texas Caesars Palace? That's right. In yeah. in a in. In the in the place where he uh, the emperor sits on high and gives <laughs> thumbs ups or thumbs downs to the quarterbacks of, he, <laughs> he does not like yeah that's, that's right. right and then the only interesting game that's at all uh, worth watching really is the is the Thursday night game which is Buffalo New Orleans except that Buffalo is coming off an absolutely terrible loss 
And New, and New Orleans is quarterbacked not by the guy who is the backup to Drew Brees, but the guy who's the backup to the backup to Drew Brees. <laughs> so it's the six and four Bills against the five and five Saints. Yeah. Those two, by the way, at least Chicago, Detroit, as horrifying a game. I mean, that I, it's hard to think of a worse game. Like, what would yeah. be a worse game than? Than, than uh, Ooh, Bears, Jacksonville, Lions. Detroit, I guess would be worse. Jack- yeah, although at least you'd say, like, hey, I'll check out Trevor Lawrence and see if he does anything interesting. I don't know. It's he, that's he, probably he, worse. He, by the way, can, oh, well, I'll, you know what? I'm going to say this, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, Jacksonville, Detroit might be worse, be, but you could also. You could also say like, "Ooh, maybe this game will be so bad that Urban Meyer will be fired on Thanksgiving." <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's something mildly there's interesting. Hope. About there is that. something. To yeah. Root. yeah. Well, that's uh, the thing. none of those games have anything to root for. I mean, not like even Buffalo, New Orleans. Like, who cares? I mean, uh, it's I, just. I just, uh, I this this to me, maybe I'm wrong. I I don't remember the slates in years past, and I know the Lions always play, and the Bears usually play, and Dallas always plays. So like, you can't get that much variance right. in terms of what you uh, but I, I don't remember a, a slate of three games on Thanksgiving I was less interested in watching do you yeah, it's, no that's really boring I mean look sometimes like Detroit will play like the Chiefs or something I mean at least right. like oh, okay well you know at least there's something here you might see Chiefs might score 80 or something I mean like there might be something here like that that Lions Bears game in some ways is probably even worse than the Jacksonville in this way what what is the over under on that game for points? Seriously, like how many points are going to be 20, scored? Twenty seven and a half. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I, if it was if it was like seventeen fourteen, you'd be like, that's a high scoring game for this. Yeah, not bad, kind of you pretty know. exciting. Yeah, that is that is a field goal festival waiting to happen. That's oh. just like, they instead of playing the game, they should just have the two kickers do it, have a field goal contest. <laughs> All right, it is time for here we go. Unveil the new music. Official positions. Official positions. All right, are you ready? So let's to explain this very quickly. Official positions are our we are we are we are determining our podcast official positions on uh on any variety of things. And what we are going to do is every podcast we are going to Every mothership podcast, I should say, every main podcast, I should say, we are going to ask each other without any, uh, without any like uh, warning or anything else. What is your official position? Then we're going to determine if we can agree and can actually come up with. Currently, we have four official positions. We are uh, for the universal DH. We are for obviously pitcher jumping into the catcher's arms after no hitters. Uh, we mm-hmm. are pro Alabama, surprisingly enough. Uh, and we are pro crunchy peanut butter. So that is, those are our current four official positions. Here we go. You ready? Ready. Hit me. First official position, rain showers. What is our feeling? And I'm by rain showers, I mean actual showers that have like the the nozzle super high up. And then it's like Oh, a- the 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 in your shower, the the high up nozzle that simulates a rain shower. A rain so shower. Like usually yes. a very large almost dinner plate size. That's right. That's right. That has we'll a lot of hotels. individual holes that come. That's down. right. That's right. And they'll, they'll often be in hotels uh, and, and they're set up and the rain comes directly down on top of you. Not as with, without being, it's very, it's more of a gentle rain on top for a shower, official position on rain showers. I'm strongly pro. 
Yeah, they're great. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm strongly pro because the option very frequently in some of your sort of mid-range uh, hotel situations yes. is a, uh, I would call it a, um, a busted fire hose <laughs> where <laughs> it's coming it down on your head and it's in like not quite a, like a, 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 an actual hose nozzle uh, kind of like, you know, purely cylindrical spray, yeah. but it hits your head so hard it feels like it's ripping your hair out. <laughs> And a rain shower situation gives you more coverage. Yes, it's it has it has, a, it has a more gentle feeling to it. it yeah, it's a, a I I'm sure it's worse for the environment because I think you're using a tremendous amount of water. Yeah, that's probably true. But but without knowing for sure, I strongly prefer the feeling of a rain shower nozzle to a busted fire hose. Yes. Would you ever get a rain shower for your own? I home? have one. I have one oh. in my house. Oh, yeah, that's see. what my shower is. Yeah. No, they're delightful. They're just delightful. You feel like you're just surrounded by water. It's just yeah. It's a, it's you see, a, it just it has a like, that's what I mean. Like when you shampoo your hair and then you step back under the rain shower yes. flow, your hair is shampoo free in like four seconds because right. it just it all it just all washes away really really smoothly. And you got the gravity going. Yeah, it's great. It's great. All right, so we are pro rain showers. Good. Second official position. How do you feel about the fast food drive through two lane thing that they started in the last few years. So now I'm, I'm not familiar with this. this okay, is, I'm so, going to have to abstain from this. <laughs> so in, in, in numerous now fast food lanes, <clears throat> when you're going through a drive through at the McDonald's or, or Burger King, if something went wrong or whatever, um, there are two lanes. So you have an inside lane and an outside lane. The idea being that, that you know you can serve more cars you don't have as much traffic you go faster but there are two lanes but the problem with them is that at the end of the two lanes you have to merge back into one lane uh, you've got a zipper the traffic has to zipper itself this back zipper itself lane. back in and and that relies on the kindness of strangers to let other people in like oh you were first so you should go in front of me and and i have found that it is that is not the kindness of strangers is not necessarily where we are in society at the moment. Not something you can rely on day to day. <laughs> so I am opposed, but but you do not feel like you have enough. Well, you have not listen, been in one. I'm a vegetarian. I don't go to fast food restaurants, really. except when your son makes you. Yeah, but but the ones around <laughs> us generally we don't go to McDonald's of fast food. There's a right. there's some like actual. Sort of, there's burger places that we go to, but they're more of like a casual sit down, and they're not grab, grab and sit, and they're not drive through. Uh, let me ask you a question though: In the second lane, does someone bring your walk your food out to the to the car? Or no, no, two, no. You've got a two. Back there's in. a window on. No, but I'm saying. Oh, no, there's not two windows. Oh, oh, it's just for ordering. It's just for ordering. Oh, they have okay. two of those order boards. I got. And you. then you have to you have to merge back in to get to the window. Like that. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so. All right. Well, we'll. We'll hold off until you have that experience, which at some point you will. This is a great, it's a great tease. You, you <laughs> have to stay tuned. Listen to future episodes of the podcast. And every week I'm going to ask position. you, hey, Mike, have you, have you been in a two lane drive through for fast food yet? And you're going to go, nope. And I'll be like, all right, we'll ask you again next week. And we'll just it's a great, going. it's a great cliffhanger. This is guaranteed <laughs> ratings, guaranteed downloads for the podcast, which is all those people at Metal Arc want. They just, that's, that's right. what they keep telling us. All right. Here we go. This they is keep our- saying they keep saying 
guys, it's about the money. <laughs> That's what they keep saying to us. And they do it in exactly that voice. They're basically like the like guys from like Wolf of Wall Street. That's what I that's how I would describe them. They're just like they're utterly immoral and all they care about is is clicks and downloads and money. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and we told them nobody listens to the show, but they they're like, well, we'll we'll decide that. And now they're realizing it. And look, I'm worried. I'm just telling you, I'm worried about our health and safety. I hear you. And our family. This is where we are. There's a guy, as we're recording this, there's a goon. One of their goons is outside just lingering <laughs> in my front yard, just sending me a message. He's going to throw a brick through my window in a second. <laughs> our, our third uh, official position is uh, we're, we're going to go into prediction business. Here we go. What is our official position on the future of Trevor Lawrence? Well, wow. Yeah, this is a good one, isn't it? It's a really good one, <laughs> man. Um, I, here's what I would say. Okay. This year. Yeah. Tells you exactly nothing about nothing. how good he is. Nothing. That's why it's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he, here are his numbers. I'll read you his numbers currently. So okay. he he's completing 58.4% of his passes. Not right. great. He has 2,141 yards through 10 games. Uh, okay. But, you know, in, in the modern NFL, eh, nah. not nah, okay. Not great. Uh, he has eight touchdowns and nine picks. That's really not great. Not great. And his, no. his rating, which obviously is a very flawed statistic, but his rating is 72.8. Yeah. Here's the now, thing about rating. Rating is, is a stupid, pointless statistic. But if it's 72.8, you know the guy's not good. Or yeah. not having a good All right. He's not having a good Not year. having a good yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, um, I I believe that I thought he was overrated coming out of college. I yeah. remember thinking like everyone's talking about this guy like he's Andrew Luck. But I remember when Andrew Luck was coming out of college and thinking like, well, that's that guy's LeBron James. Like that right. guy, if, right. I, if, if anything is true about NFL football, which it might not be. But if anything is true, like that guy is going to be good. He just seemed so, so talented, so good. Um, so it's such a, such a complete player. I remember thinking I didn't watch Trevor Lawrence that much, but I remember thinking like, yeah, he's like a big, strong guy. He throws good passes. Like, but that team <laughs> right, was right. so overwhelming that it was hard. It was like hard to judge. I think how much, or at least for me, how good he really was. Yeah. So I, I think the, I, it feels like the, the situation where like four years from now, either they have fired Urban Meyer and done some smart things in terms of how they draft, or he just plays out his rookie deal and then just leaves yeah, um, and goes to a team that is competently run and has good receivers. I do believe it's a situation, and this isn't saying much, where if you put him on a team with a better off, his offensive line is terrible. So if you put him on a team with a good offensive line and better receivers, I feel like he would be playing a lot better than he is now. Like I do feel like, he has the potential to be a very, very good quarterback. Um, but this is all the same kind of boring, nothing analysis that everybody <laughs> can make about everybody in the league. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I'm super bullish because he's just trapped on a terrible team for the first four years of his life. He's going to get hit 5,000 times. He's going to get injured. He's not going to have the chance to actually do anything good. And until yeah. like 2027, well, Okay, so I don't think that that we can make an official position because I just don't know. That no, it's too early. It's too, too early. early. But I'm leaning bust. I just, really? I'm just, I, I, and I don't, 
it's not fair to him. And I'm fully aware that it's not uh, fair to him. Uh, Urban Meyer is a disaster, just an absolute disaster. And I cannot believe that he's still coaching that team. And I cannot believe that they would bring him back next year. And I cannot believe that he would even stick around because, you know, that's another thing he does is just walk away from things. So I, I just, nothing about that ever made any sense. So I feel bad, but here's the thing. I've seen guys like this that start in bad situations and really struggle and they like never come out of it. Like it's like, yeah. it's, it's so hard. I remember when the Bengals drafted David Klingler and I'm not comparing Trevor Lawrence to David Klingler, but Klingler was a big time college quarterback. It was like the sixth pick overall or whatever. And he went to the Bengals and it was like, he got hit 600 times his rookie year. And he was like, never the same. He was never going to make it. Uh, Akili Smith was the same thing with the Bengals. Uh, David Carr, David Carr. I, I just, Okay, let me put it to you this way. Whose future would you bet on knowing the situations are what they are? Like, you can't change the future. Like, everybody's always saying, well, what if the Browns had drafted Tom Brady and then how much different would that have been? Okay, well, that's that's fictional. But based on what we are facing, whose future are you betting on? Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones? Mac Jones. And and it's not close. I don't think it's even close. So I... I mean, there's the other way to look at this is that like Joe Burrow was another first pick overall by a crummy team. Right. And his first year, granted shortened by injury, but his first year was a lot better. Yes. Than um, than Trevor Lawrence's first year. And by the way, also he got sacked 32 times in 10 games like he got sacked the same amount at the same rate that Trevor Lawrence is getting sacked, but he threw 13 TDs and five picks. He had a 90 rating. He completed 65% of his passes. Like he saw it with him. Yeah. Yeah. Great moments with them. Same thing with, with uh, Herbert. Yes. Last year, like you saw great moments. I just don't, I don't see a lot of great moments with Trevor Lawrence. I just don't. I mean, again, I, you know, look, if, if, if he, turns it around and, and ends up being a superstar. Would that surprise me? Like, I can't say it would fully surprise me, but like, like he, like he feels to me like Tua where it's like, I don't think it's going to work. I just don't, it just doesn't feel like it's going to work. It's the most infuriating thing about the NFL to me is that there's simply no way to know. Like, and, and also it, you can't you draft these guys first overall you're commit your pot committed to them for four years That's minimum right. unless you are the cardinals and you hire uh, cliff kingsbury and he's just like i don't care if we drafted josh rosen in the first <laughs> round i don't like him i'm getting a new guy and like the, it takes such intestinal fortitude to do that and it's such a risky endeavor in a salary capped sport and he just was like, yeah, I don't care. I'm, I, this isn't the guy. I'm telling you this isn't the guy. Yeah. In, in the way that like more and more coaches have realized that they should go for it on fourth down at midfield when it's even in the second quarter of a tie game, I wonder if more and more teams aren't going to start cutting bait on these guys after three years instead of saying like, well, this is a, we drafted him first overall. He's a quarterback for eight years. Doesn't matter. We have well, to lock him up forever. I think this is an absolute direct question. We have to end this thing because I'm I'm literally be good. You see this goon over my shoulder? Oh, yeah, he's right over your shoulder. He's Look right at over that. my shoulder. It's like over an hour. You guys are over an hour. Stop. He's so giving you the th- he's giving you the throat slashing gesture. <laughs> we got to stop. 
But I think exactly what you're saying is exactly what the Cleveland Browns are going to have to decide at the end of this year, whether they're pot committed to Baker Mayfield, that they feel like he's the guy, or if they can look at four years and basically say, you know what? We're, we're not, we're not, we can't be, you know? Yeah. And, and by the way, that could be either there's a guy who really, you know, it's the kid from Ohio state or some other quarterback that they're like, this is the guy. Or if someone, you know, like Ryan Tannehill right. is becomes available where you're like, look, that guy's not, um, is never going to be Patrick Mahomes, but that level of competence, like if, if, yeah. if you're the 10th best QB in the league or the 12th best QB in the league right. with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and our secondary, we have a chance if we just get a level of, of steady competence, yeah. 28 touchdowns and six interceptions will get us deeper into the playoffs than we will if we have Baker. I think you're right. It's a pretty good question. All right. Well, off to the draft podcast. If you want to join us from there, Mike, as always, thank you. Has anybody seen my air tag? Thank you for having me, Joe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com